What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Jacob and I are in studio, and Tyler is joining us on the phone. We got your NBA bubble update as the Lakers clinched the number one seed in the Western Conference for the first time since 2010. Also, we got an MLB update for you as the league is still dealing with some outbreaks of COVID-19 on some teams. All this and more coming up on episode 152 of the TSK show right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Kingdom Show, episode 152. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. What's going on, Tyler? How you living, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Ready to rock. All right. Sitting across from me on the board, our co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. What's going on, my man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Hanging in there? I'm all right. I'm I'm a little upset about the Lakers. Uh, no, I can see it all over your face. Lakers losing, uh, but we'll we'll get into that in, in a little bit. But but first, before we discuss the first topic of the show, we have to remind you about probably the best coffee ever. This episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. Campus Point Coffee was founded by former UC Santa Barbara students in 2019. Unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they had to close their brick-and-mortar shop in the heart of Isla Vista and transition to a strictly online business. Campus Point Coffee has a variety of different roasts to choose from, and even if coffee isn't really your thing, they have plenty of other merch like mugs, tumblers, T-shirts, and even a tote bag on CampusPointCoffee.com. Go to CampusPointCoffee.com and TSK Show listeners will get 15% off their purchase just by entering the promo code TSK Show. That's capital T-S-K-S, lowercase H-O-W, at checkout. That's promo code TSK Show for 15% off your purchase at CampusPointCoffee.com. And my dad, he just got his order of the medium roast in. He says the taste is impeccable, and it's probably the best way to start his day. Hey, yeah, man, I got, I got mine in last week, actually. And I've got to say, it is probably the best coffee I've ever had. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm enjoying it already. I know mine finally came in, too, after a couple of weeks because I ordered it a little bit later. And obviously, shipping takes a while. But my favorite is the Deltopia Medium Roast. No, the shipping doesn't take a while, actually. Well, mine did. I don't know why. I couldn't find I guess they lost mine in the mail. But, hey, point is it's here. No, you got it. That's all that matters. It's delicious. Support us. Support a coffee that makes probably the best coffee ever and is even trying to help save the beaches. Campus Point Coffee takes a portion of their profits and puts it right back into the community by organizing and funding their own beach cleanups. So if you're a coffee lover or you want to rock some cool merch while helping save the beaches, just enter promo code TSK Show at checkout. That's promo code TSK Show, capital T-S-K-S, lowercase H-O-W at checkout. Promo code TSK Show for 15% off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com. All right, let's hit the first topic. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Kobe Bryant just sucked the cavity out of the target center. What a play. Rebound O'Neal. He went airborne to fight gravity. Laid it down with two hands, baby. No regard for human life for the championship. And an 81-point game. You take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. All right, folks. 
it's time for the NBA bubble update. And first and foremost, we got to let you guys know, no NBA player has tested positive for COVID-19 out of the 343 tested at the bubble since the last results were announced on July 29th. That makes three straight weeks of no positive cases so far in the bubble. So first off, I just got to commend Adam Silver, the NBA, all the teams, the players, the coaches, everybody in the traveling parties for coming to the bubble, taking it seriously. I know there have been a couple stories here and there of some players doing some things they probably shouldn't have done, but overall, for the most part, the bubble has, it's worked. It's, it's done its job. And again, it sounded yeah, dumb in, the, in theory at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what can happen when you, you know, make a plan and stick to it. You know, I was definitely skeptical um, because, unfortunately, you know, I live, you know, in a country where we fumbled the ball for the most part all of this stuff. And so I was very pessimistic. And it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, I was definitely wrong. I mean, they, zero tests. I would have thought for sure there was a little positive test by now. Um, and it just shows you, like I said, I think what can happen when you have good leadership and you, you, you make a plan, you execute said plan. Definitely. Now on the court, uh, I just have a, a couple bullet points, uh, from around the league. Uh, first week impressions. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to have a round table discussion with, with both of you guys. Uh, just a couple of my bullet points. Jonathan Isaac tearing his ACL, Jaron Jackson Jr. tearing his meniscus, Jamal Crawford making his debut for the Brooklyn Nets, but then injuring his hamstring, and now he's going to have to miss a couple of games. Zion being on a minutes restriction by the Pelicans, and in my opinion, the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury, the minutes restriction with Zion in New Orleans, the path is wide open for portland and san antonio and dare i say even phoenix to take the eighth seed in the western conference may or even create some sort of playing scenario which last week we discussed we think it's all highly likely that there is going to be a playing scenario given the the closeness of everybody's records so i mean what do we what do we have as far as first week impressions in the bubble Uh, I mean, I think the basketball-wise, it's been good. Um, you know, it's been kind of up and down, you know, sporadic, good play, good individual performances. Uh, but for the most part, I think, like, the quality of hoops has been, has been all right. Now, as far as, like, the West goes, uh, you know, I thought – I kind of, you know, always thought Portland was the one uh, just because they're built for that. Obviously, I, I'm rooting for the Pelicans to get it done, uh, and I still think that they got a good shot. But um, – yeah, man, it's it's this is the cool part about this bubble is it's it's completely up for grabs. Everybody's in it. Phoenix decided to show up and play, and now they're going to be rewarded for it. They don't have to play a full good season. They just need to play really good right now, which they are. So they could potentially sneak in, um, you know, sneak in and make a playoff run. So uh, it's it's been fun and interesting. Yeah, I've definitely been pleasantly surprised. And my expectations, I think, have been surpassed as far as the play on the court. Definitely, there have been times uh, where the rust uh, from the four-month layoff has been visible. But like Tyler said, I, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised and, and pleased with with the play on the court. I know a lot of uh, players have been talking about the AAU type of atmosphere that's that's going on in the bubble. Uh, and I think that's contributing to to the play on the court. Yeah, for sure it is. I mean, that's that's exactly that's exactly what it feels like. That's what it looks like. Uh, and I mean, for the most part, that's what it is. It's a tournament. I think the injuries, though, you mentioned. I think that was going to be a given, just because of how much time these players had off. But. Yeah, about, I think it's somewhat uh, to be expected a little yeah, bit about that you someone's being, getting hurt like that. Yeah, no, of course. But about you being, you know, pretty impressed from what you've seen, these guys, for the most part, stayed in shape. I yeah. know I know it was tough for them to do so, and but how they did it, it honestly, that's a, that's a big, uh, big uh, a surprise to me, too, that they were able to do this without the facilities. You said, you said a lot of players ha did stay in shape or even got in better shape, 
yeah some of them did and it's been visible on the court and it's it's also been visible on the court who didn't take the layoff as serious and it's it's proving in the results on the court uh so another question i had for you guys and it's been talked about a lot in the media the last couple of days especially with the lakers clinching the western conference number one seed for the first time since 2010 and we'll get into the lakers separately in a little bit once we get done talking about the overall bubble but uh does having home court advantage matter in the bubble oh no not like at in all. terms of seating rankings like we know nope. there is no home court advantage obviously because everybody's playing in the same place but because home home court advantage here at the bubble just means that you get crowd noise pumped to however you're playing and you get your logo on the court that's that's all home court advantage is i don't think there's anything more yeah, to that I yeah i don't really see that as an advantage to any any team it's as much as home court is an AAU tournament. Is. I mean, there it is, it, there is no home court. Home court comes from sleeping in your bed, fans, you know, fans going crazy for the team they love. That's home court. This is, that's just uh, basically a formality, I guess. Yeah, just based off of rankings and stuff. And yeah, just ba- based on you know what we've done in the past, I guess. Yeah. Now, okay. But, so another another thing that. I was talking about with a buddy of mine, Ethan Beard, good friend of the show, was the concept of depth perception in these gyms. And it's like basically depth perception in the gyms being a factor and it already contributing to higher scoring and more exciting games in the bubble. Like, and what I, what I mean is for people that don't understand the depth perception and because the gym that these guys are playing in is smaller there isn't as much depth behind the basket usually there's thousands of seats fans moving around there's a lot of distraction going on behind the basket to where it uh, it, it does affect shooters in terms of uh, efficiency oh yeah yeah so you're saying that they're yep. fo- better focused going into these no, games no not even better fo- well, not even yeah. better focused it's that it's easier to shoot in these gyms because it's smaller, a more compact area. There's not as much room in between the basket and the wall behind it. There's not moving targets behind the basket going on with fans moving in their seats. See, I grew up, I I went to a high school where we played our high school basketball games at a dome. Yeah, that's nuts. And we, we had a hanging basket from the hoop, nothing behind the hoops. Um, and so you and, and team shot worse. I mean, it, it it just depends on how you practice. You know what I mean? So it's like most people practice with a wall behind their or or something relatively close behind a hoop, or the hoop is actually on some sort of stand. It's not hanging from the rafters. Right. Um, so this is like. I mean, I definitely think that it's affecting some shooters. Now, uh, some some people can just walk into a gym and they're a basketball player and they're going to put the ball in the bucket. It doesn't matter. Depth perception, raining outside, no shoes, whatever. They can shoot the ball. But for a lot of these guys, I think it is affecting their shooting um, because it is different. It's different from your practice facilities, which I think are more enclosed and tight, and it's different from your game facilities, which are massive stadiums, like you said, that have a little bit more depth perception. It's somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, so I definitely think that the depth perception is messing uh, with the shot the shot selections or the the shot percentage yeah so for for example friday night uh the rockets beat the mavericks in overtime 153 to 149 the Rockets shot 51 and a half percent from the field and dallas shot 47.6 percent the clippers set a franchise record for three pointers made in a game with 25 on saturday and they shot 53.2 percent from three that game and then obviously one of the biggest surprises i think in the bubble has been T.J. Warren of the Indiana Pacers, who in three games so far in the bubble, he scored 53 points in the first game, 34 in the second, and 32 in the third, and he's shooting 62.2% from the field and 60.8% from three. 26 games out of the 34 games in the bubble so far have had at least the winning team score 110 or more points in the game. So, obviously... I think we've answered the question, like, do you think the smaller gym will lead to higher shooting and more efficient scoring? And I know we'll get to the Lakers shooting woes in a little bit, but I kind of wanted to to talk more about it because, Tyler, you mentioned 
playing high school basketball in a dome, the gym that I played yeah. high school basketball in, the the basket was hanging from the ceiling, but it was really close to the wall. The there wall. was yeah. it, it, there was yeah, maybe three, four feet. Yeah, so you, yeah, so you can have a layup and then continue on because you'd hit the wall. Well, there were pads could, on the I wall. Could run it, I could run and hit a layup and run right out the fucking gym. You know what I mean? That was how art. But most gyms, they have a wall right there, like a padding. Yeah. You know, maybe like six feet behind the hoop. Yeah. It's not a lot of space. No, there was maybe three um, or four feet between the baseline and the I wall for us. If, But see, the, the thing to me, though, is the points per game is kind of like counterintuitive to what I would think. I would think it would lower the scoring because the shooting percentage would go down. Um, I think that, that the points per game is just we're three games in. Uh, that's the NBA nowadays, and it's a smaller sample size. If you if they ended up playing 50 games in the bubble, I'm sure the average would go down. You know what I mean? Uh, so no, I think like, I so think because like the... DJ Warren, you know. No, but like, I, I think, think the... DJ Warren is just having a good little streak. Yeah, no, TJ Warren's having a good little streak, but I think the depth, because of the depth perception, shooting will go up. Like, shooting percentage would, like, the ball's going to go in more because it's easier to shoot. Well, in the point of the Houston-Dallas game, though, those are also two teams that don't play a lot of defense. If, if we're being honest here, yeah, that's they, they no, also don't that's play. That. No, I mean, their just, defense is sometimes non-existent. Listen, I, I'll... I'll discredit James Harden's defense a lot, but he had six steals against the Bucs and played very good defense against Giannis down the stretch. So I'm going to give credit where no, credit no, is if, due if, on that. But if we're talking about the Dallas and Houston game because it was such a high-scoring game. Yeah, there game, was no defense yeah, being no, played no, no, in that, that one, game that one specifically. Did not. But yeah. Because now most of these teams in the league now, because you have high-volume scores, you're also going to have high-scoring uh, games. It doesn't seem like these teams yeah. play defense, so I think the scoring is just going to be what it was when when the season before the season ended i guess you could say yeah that's that's i don't think that the depth perceptions that's sort of gonna it's gonna alter a lot of uh points per game or a lot of shooting percentages i think you know it's it's definitely a, uh an adaptation but uh, you know towards the end it'll it'll all even out okay now speaking of evening out what are your you think tj warren will end up evening out i mean He's been... Yeah, because I mean, it's like I saw I saw Flip Murray, uh, Flip Murray when Ray <laughs> Allen went down to the Seattle SuperSonics. I saw Flip Murray average like twenty six a game over an eighteen game span. We saw we saw Jeremy Lin average twenty six and thirteen or something ungodly over twenty five game span. I just think that he's hot right now, and we just started keeping track of these stats. So it's like you know the guy that scores the first big game is always lead the league in scoring in the first week or two, you know, yeah. just riding off that hot streak. I think that he just so happens, you know, to be the guy that, like, right now, it'd be like the guy that pops off the playoffs. He's just, he's popping off when everybody's watching. Well, and nobody was expecting TJ Warren to be the first guy to drop 50 in the bubble and and start no. start out like this. Yeah, yeah uh, unlikely name for Especially sure. Especially when he was traded for cash considerations from Phoenix. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> He, 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 he can, he's a, he's he's a, a player, hooper. Dude. I like you. Yeah, I like TJ Warren. He's kind of a weird fit. You know, you don't, it's, it's kind of tough to figure out where to play him position wise, where to play him, you know, starting or with the second rotation. But he can, he, he can hoop. Yeah. Now, all right, before we get uh, into the Lakers and, and their first four games in the bubble, was there any, any other thoughts you guys had or first impressions from the first week in the bubble or first? official week of games in the bubble? You know, we talked about space. And what I love, I, I've always kind of like hated this about NBA games. Is I love the space on the sidelines and the baseline. I don't, you know, I'm not playing, so it doesn't really matter. But what I would play, I would, you know, it's it sucks having a crowded, like, out-of-bounds line and just having, you know, people sitting four seats, cameramen, like, on the baseline. It's like it's got to be nice to just be like in an open gym, and I think it looks a lot better on camera, and that's what gives you kind of like that AAU look. It almost looks like a game at 2K, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Do that's you like little... do you like the new camera angles that they've been like testing out? Yeah, I mean, I think all that stuff's cool. Anyway, anyway, you can give it some. Some some are some of them are wins, some of them are losses, but for the most part, I, th I think they're pretty cool. I think the great thing for me, though, watching it, it just feels like a summer league game. Every every game feels like a summer league game. I don't know if M I minus, like that, though. Why? 
because I want like this is supposed to be the regular season. We're no, supposed I know. To be ramping up to the playoffs, like. But but they you just also had four have to, months. Yeah, off. you have like, to give it to these guys it, that they it. also did not play for months. I know, I know. So they're just getting started. A lot of these guys are just in slumps. If you haven't you know seen them shoot well, it's because they haven't played for that long. Speaking of not shooting well, let's let's just get this out of the way. The Lakers, they're. They're two and two in the bubble so far. Their their overall record is fifty one and sixteen on the regular season now. They like I said, they locked up the number one seed in the Western Conference for the first time since two thousand and ten. And we all know what happened in two thousand and ten last time they won the championship. But what I've noticed in these first four games is too many missed shots and wasted possessions. And Danny Green, KCP, Dion Waiters, J.R. Smith, Quinn Cook, they need to hit open shots. And don't get me wrong, the the rust has definitely been visible in the first few games, and they should have beat the Clippers without Montrez and Lou Will by more than two points. But like like I said, they missed so many wide open shots in today's game against the Thunder. There was no energy. It was a pretty lackluster performance against the Raptors as well. In the Clippers game, they did a good job recognizing early that the refs were calling the game really tight, and they got the Clippers in early foul trouble with four Clippers getting two fouls early on in the first quarter. AD was dominant against the Clippers, but then he was non-existent against the Raptors. But then I loved the way he bounced back and dropped 42 on the two-time reigning defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, and the Jazz. Kyle Kuzma, he shot the ball well in the bubble so far, but I've been impressed more with how he's been playing on the defensive end. I think he's put on some muscle and he's bulked up a bit during this layoff and it's been visible. He He's not getting pushed around on defense anymore. He's not getting pushed off the block. He did a great job of defending Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. Alex Caruso, he's not just social media hype from Lakers Twitter. He makes winning basketball plays. He hasn't shot well, but none of the Lakers have shot well, like I said. But he's doing everything else he needs to do to help the Lakers win basketball games. I've been most disappointed, aside from the shooting, in JaVale, McGee, and Dwight Howard in their performances. In the bubble so far, they've been basically non-existent, and they need to have more of an impact, especially if AD isn't willing to play the five. And Dwight was having such a good year before all this. Exactly. And AD needs to be willing to play the five more because when he's at the five, the Lakers dominate. And LeBron James, the the leader of this team, he hasn't played horrible, but he's definitely getting off to a slower start in these games than I was expecting. He he isn't playing all that well offensively in terms of attacking, but in terms of taking on more of a, a facilitator role as as a point guard, especially with the absence of Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo, I think he's done an okay job at that. He He's creating for other guys. It's just they're not hitting shots. And like I said today, no energy against the Thunder. I think they're saving their energy for tomorrow, Thursday, against Houston, second night of a back-to-back. They need to come ready to play tomorrow. But as a team for the Lakers, four games in, the Lakers, they're shooting 33.8% from the field and 25.1% from three-point range they can't afford to miss as many wide open shots as they have been. And I know we talked about the depth perception and the smaller gym, maybe contributing to high scoring, but it's clearly not benefiting the Lakers so far. Well, first off, it's good that they signed waiters and Smith because that gives them two extra shooters. And I think the shots will fall. However, I just think that they started off slow. Their major issue, which I've seen all all year, they're good defensively, but they struggle against the guards. And in the game against the Clippers, they didn't have Lou Williams. So that's one guard that you don't account for. Um, yeah, you still have to guard Kawhi and, and George. But in the term of their two losses to the Raptors, they have Kyle Lowry and their, and Fred Van Fleet. Those those guards are hard to stay in front of. And the Lakers don't have that perimeter they defending. They killed them. Yeah, they don't have pieces to guard against those guys. Same thing with with tonight with the, uh, with the Thunder. You have Chris Paul and you have uh, Schroeder. Schroeder didn't play, but Shagel was out Xander. Yeah, but I'm just saying those are guards that they just can't they just can't stay in front of and guard. They just really can't, just because of how agile they are. Yeah, I got it. You got to hit shots when you got LeBron on the team. That's always just the classic, you know, 
when when they're when, if they don't win, it's because people don't hit shots. That's that's just how it goes. Uh, I think they're going to be all right, though. I hope they're not saving energy. I mean, it just seems like a dumb dumb way to go about it. I think in Orlando, it's it's like you got to be in playoff mode, basically just grinding every night. I agree, especially especially with the LeBron people like LeBron and Ant and Dwight and Rondo and and these guys, you know, the guys that are on this bench, Jason Kidd, if, uh, you know, Frank Vogel been through these battles, like this is a veteran team. There's no lack for leadership anywhere in the gym. You know, there's leadership all over the place. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I think they'll stabilize, but, uh, you know, it it definitely sucks. AD so against playing the five. I mean, I've always said it's like when, when he's playing the five, there's, are too tough to beat, but we have good centers, and the centers have produced up until now. And you know now it's it's not going as well. But you know ultimately, I think that the the level of play for the Lakers will even out, and they'll they'll be able to make the shit. But you can't be losing to teams like Oklahoma City. Yeah, and I think I think you're right, Tyler. I think the shooting will ultimately even out, and I think once they just start start seeing the ball go through the net that's always that shooter's mentality once they see one go through they just have that confidence that to to keep shooting it but like you were saying I don't think they should be taking nights off even though they have clinched the number one seed in the west I think this they need to to ramp up and get ready for the playoffs and they have new guys like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith and they gotta get these new guys in sync they had four months off without playing basketball together, and everybody just needs to get back into into the flow. And this is the perfect opportunity to to get the momentum they need to make this playoff and championship push. Yeah, and I mean, I look for them to do exactly that with LeBron. And I mean, I think that they're they're they're, they're built for this. So uh, let's see him fight through a little adversity. It's funny just because seeing this roster at times, I think that a lot of these pieces, they're kind of like, I don't know, pieces that don't necessarily fit. You know, LeBron AD wasn't supposed to work initially because a lot of people said it wasn't supposed to work at all. Well, that's just but, d- whoever thought yeah, that was dumb. But I think I think seeing the season come together, yeah, you saw them gel a little bit. But right now is when they really need to start clicking because, yeah, this is the latter half of the season and it's only a couple more games before you hit playoffs. And that's when the games are really going to count. They're Not half, that they don't count now. halfway through these seeding yeah, games already. They, they really need to get in gear. And, again, their major issue, though, is the guard position. I don't think they have – and the shooting. The shooting, though – Getting off the slow starts. They, they really need to start off with Danny Green, and he needs to pick it up. Because that's why they brought him here. He was that 3 and D guy. And he, right now he's not really providing that. No, that's that's what – that's literally Danny Green, KCP, Dion Waiters. Well, maybe not Dion Waiters as much. He's He also has the facilitator role. But – but between but Danny Green Smith, and, and J.R. Smith, those are your best shooters. J.R. Smith, Danny Green, KCP, they need to hit shots. That's what they are getting paid to do for this team. And they're not doing it right now. And it, it it's not it's not That's acceptable. Your job. Yeah, it's literally their job. Hey man, you play with the broad, you gotta hit shots. That's just that's why J.R. Smith is still hanging around. Because he hits shots. Uh but you know, as a team, all those guys collectively, they need to hit shots. So that's it's it's not LeBron's fault. It's your guys' fault. That's how it is. What have you thought about Kuzma so far in in the bubble, Tyler? Well, he just looks like you said. I think he's one of you know. There's the there's the math is like ninety percent of the players that just look like them, and then there's ten percent of the guys that look like they got better, they got worse. I think he just looks like he got better, and uh, I think he's kept a good attitude throughout the season. This had to be a hard season getting buried you know, getting buried behind superstars like that, you know, in your kind of formative years as an NBA player. So uh, I'm impressed with Kuzma keeping his, keeping his head down and, and keeping it trucking and, you know, being able to, you know, pull, pull some magic out every now and then. See, if I had to give him a grade, I'd give him a C plus only because, C plus. yeah, only what? because he's, he's really suffered this season. And it's not his fault, but no, because I'm of injury. Just in terms of, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm I know. In terms of the bubble. In terms of the bubble, yeah, I'd still give him a C plus. Oh man! Still give him a C plus. I'd, I'd be a bit more generous. He's no, not even generous though. He's only had one good game. I feel like and it was when he had that twenty-five point game. Hey, he that's, had that's, six. That's, he had sixteen, what, eighteen points it, off the bench against the Clippers. What do you mean? I, I still don't. It, I still don't like his play. Matter. One good game out of. But I, but I don't think it's his fault though. It's just tough player. for him to find. It just fit. It's it's 
tough for him to find a groove in this roster. It, it is. It, it's just that again, it's you, hard. You get one Where do you those, put him? You get one. You get one of those games in a playoff series. You just want your team a playoff game. Hundred percent. Right? Those are like, yeah. Those are big time. These are big time games, and uh, I think that he's not asked to come out. And, you know, they don't need him to score twenty five every night. They need him to hit open shots when when he's open and when he's called upon and when there's foul trouble and you know when they're when they're slug, you know LeBron's not hitting or whatever it is. He's he doesn't have necessarily built in role. He has to be ready, stay ready, and I think he does that. And, and I think. If anything, you know, if I was a coach and I was, you know, grading him based on his responsibility to the team and the job of asking him to do, I mean, I think he's got to be closer to him. And see, and see, and Tyler's right. He's just never has had a role on this team. It's kind of weird where he well, fits. And that's and that's the thing. And Ty, Tyler's right to give to give him an A so far. And I would I would definitely give him an A too. I think the thing with this Lakers team and what I think has is to to Kuzma's benefit is that. Everybody wanted Kuzma to be the third, like the third star, whatever you want to yeah, call see, it. That never happened. happened but here's though. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everybody wanted it to happen. It hasn't happened. But the Lakers are so deep to the point where they don't need one singular player to be that third guy. They have enough pieces around LeBron and AD to where not, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but. Not every night, everybody is going to be off, and we've seen it. Kuzma went off, like has had good games against the Clippers, and in the win uh, two nights ago against uh, the Jazz. The Jazz, thank you. Uh, so, and the obviously the twenty-five point game on his birthday. I think that's what really has propelled him into this upswing in the bubble. Was that confidence boost of having twenty-five points in one of the scrimmages? So, like I was saying to the Lakers benefit and to Kuzma's benefit he hasn't had to fill that third that third option role because there's enough pieces around that there's not there's not really a need yeah. for a third no, and, star and it sucks because he never came out and said I want to be the third star it was basically just given to him and people were saying he should be the third star yeah. right and so that, that's why he never really had a role carved out for him after when he didn't when he didn't succumb to the to the pressure of being the third star. There was never a role. There was never a, a plan B in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know the third the big three thing was just kind of us, you know, people like us talking. I don't think it was ever anything that was like an organizational thing, you know, a GM or a you know. I think they they felt that he was the one young piece. They wanted to hold on to regardless of position. I mean, because if you look at it, it's like Lonzo would have been the, a much like smarter position to hold on to. You, you, we have forwards. Like, why get another forward? I just felt like they thought that as a basketball player, he was the one that they could hold on to and get some value for. They don't necessarily have the role carved out. But like Eric said, it is. It's not a. It's not a number three thing, especially with the LeBron team. And that's why I think that the, you know one good game out of four is enough because, you know, Dwight might have a 20 and 20 game and then Jr. might come out and hit seven threes in the second half. And then, you know, the next game, it might be twos. And then the next game, you know, that's how the Lakers are going to win a championship. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that it's just with, in terms of the Lakers keeping Kuzma in the trade, it, the deal doesn't get done without Lonzo and Brandon Ingram being a part of the package. So clearly Kuzma was the one that was going to be staying and it was all fan pressure and fan noise of them propelling him to that third option uh, selection, I guess. But uh, I just, I don't think it ever needed to, to be that. No, I never did. We wanted that because he, He's a young player, so it's exciting. But his maturity has definitely shown, and I think, you know, part of it, you know, being, I, I gotta just, I just gotta assume that he just feels blessed to be in the position he's in. Who no wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Have, no, no matter how much we ever criticize him, it's like he's gone on record saying he didn't think he'd ever be in the NBA. He played four years of college basketball at Utah. I mean, he was like, you know, he's like 
a 20, he's like a 25 or 26 year old three year pro. You know, he's not necessarily a young, you know, young guy. It's similar to like a Brandon Roy upbringing. Uh, you know, and so he's got. I think he's he's happy to be here. Like he's excited. He and want, he's a he, Laker. He wants it. And yeah, exactly. He's not. Uh, he, I think he's taking it all in with the right attitude, and that's the only way you can get by by, you know, having great success your first couple of years, and then your third year being buried on the bench. Not buried, but he's on the bench. He's, you got two of the best players ever at your position in front of you. Yeah. All right. You you guys got anything else NBA wise? Tyler, you got no. anything else? No, we're good. All right, let's hit the diamond. Here we go. Clayton Kershaw pitches a no hitter, a career high, 15 strikeouts. He's a new all-time hit king in Major League history, number two, five, eight, my oh my! Line to left field, moment after moment, memory after memory. The Dodgers have done it again. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Muncy hits this ball to deep right field. Forget about it. Muncy with a splash hit. Veritek and A-Rod going at it. Swing and a drive. Absolute madness. It's going to take forever to get this thing straightened out. Little popper to the left side. Newman settles under it. And Lucy puts supper on the stove, my dear, because this ball game is over. So we talked about how the NBA has had zero positive tests for three straight weeks. They're obviously in a bubble. The MLB is not in a bubble, and they have not had such luck. But the Marlins, the Miami Marlins, had their first game yesterday since they had some of their games postponed due to a COVID-19 outbreak in their clubhouse. Before the Marlins game started yesterday, they had to place 11 players on the injured list because of COVID-19 and then recall 10 players from their alternate training site from their 60-man roster and then activate two other players from the injured list. They shut out the Baltimore Orioles four to nothing. And while they have a higher win percentage than the first place, eight and three Braves, the Marlins are one game back with a three and one record because of playing less games than Atlanta so far in the season. Also, the MLB announced that roster sizes would be decreasing from 30 players to 28 players. And the taxi squad that you're able to call up back and forth would be expanding from three to five players. I know the Dodgers had a team meeting after the Marlins outbreak and they doubled down on their COVID-19 rules as a team and they committed to each other that they were all going to take it even more serious than they already were. Justin Turner uh, had sent Alana Rizzo basically a bullet point list of all of the extra precautions that the Dodgers were now going to be taking. And I think it's becoming more and more clear in baseball that the team that stays the healthiest the longest is going to have the most success and the Dodgers and the rest of the league they're looking at the Marlins and now the Cardinals who had a big outbreak in their clubhouse after some guys allegedly went to a, a casino after a series with Minnesota teams around the league are looking at Miami and St. Louis as examples of what not to do and at least that's my hope I mean, would you guys concur that, especially with MLB and NFL not going with the bubble format, that the healthiest team is going to be the most successful team in the long run? It's just the, like the execution, you know, a said plan. They're just, they're all uniform. I mean, the bubble makes it that way, but it's just, if everyone had the same set of rules, you know what I mean? All these teams are being ran differently. The personalities are being managed, but there needs to be like clear set guidelines and then, you know, uh, just, you, you, you know, you just got to follow and execute the plan and you'll be fine because like I've brought up so many times, the premier league in soccer didn't have a bubble, you know? So there, there's, there's examples of it working both ways. Uh, I think it's, it's more about the execution of upside plan. It doesn't seem like baseball 
is very like together as a sport. I mean, between ownership, the owner of the league, players and coaches, you know, they all seem to be on, you know, different sides of different things on different teams. Yeah, see, they really should have went with the bubble idea. I know it's, it's it might be a little too late for them to do that. Yeah. And Manfred's already tainted the relationship with the players, but it's going to be tough for the MLB. They just travel so much. It makes it harder to to contain all their players, you know, for, from an outbreak. And you saw with the Marlins firsthand that look at how many people can get infected so fast. And I just, I just can't believe that with all the bitching and moaning the players were doing about how the negotiations were mainly taken up by the money talk and the health and safety protocols were put to the last minute. It's like, it's a two way street negotiations. The players had a say in that. And it's like, they were so adamant against a bubble because they didn't want to leave their families for an extended period of time. But it's like, if you're not going to commit to a bubble, I don't understand how some of these guys couldn't be mature enough to take these protocols seriously and put, their teams and other teams at risk i mean multiple i think five or six teams have had their schedules altered because of these outbreaks in clubhouses it's it's completely disappointing and it's it's so frustrating as a fan to watch because the negotiations were so tense and so volatile that the the players aren't the ones taking it serious yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a mess, as they say. It's crazy. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy time. Like you know, everybody knows that during this pandemic, it's just uh, you never know what's going to happen. And there's too many with these, you know, sports like baseball and football with these large rosters. It's there's just so many personalities and dynamics. It's like one guy can ruin it. You know, like it's as simple as that. And, um, it's just it is tough, and you want to believe that everyone's everyone's got the same priorities you do, or everyone's looking at it the same way, but they're not, you know. Yeah, honestly, it it surprises me though that baseball it's a sport with almost zero contact. You could say, you know, as far as basketball and football go, and they have the most cases. Yeah, I think it's just I, the that 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 to me I don't get. It. I, yeah, they do have the bigger rosters, and I know Rob I Manfred says that he doesn't want to go. Yeah, he, Rob Manfred doesn't want to go back, and and you know he says there's no quitting. But I really think that the MLB is kind of doomed. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to shut down their season again. Yeah, I think it's just moving taxi and all these people around is just uh, is, is the issue. You know, it's not necessarily the the physical contact it's like just shuffling a bunch of people around to a, a bunch of different cities i think that's where you know it's really getting messy yeah that that's what i think is the biggest issue is the travel and i think one of the first steps is downsizing the rosters and and the traveling party size so i i do commend the mlb for, for making the adjustment on that so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if that has an effect So, all right, um, on the field for the Dodgers, I wanted to, to talk about how they, they've been doing a little bit. They're 8-4. and four. They're one game behind Colorado in the NL West. They're currently up 7-2 to two on the San Diego Padres. Jock Peterson just hit his second home run of the game. It's the top of the sixth inning. And, I mean, overall, as a team, they're eight and four, which is great. They're one game out uh, for first in the division. AJ Pollock and Corey Seager have been incredible so far. Their, their bats have been on fire. Seager has put to bed any doubt that he was not going to be the same after what we saw last season in his first season back from surgery. AJ Pollock had a rough first year with the Dodgers last year, but his bat has been explosive so far this season. Cody Bellinger has had two home runs since being benched after he has come out of the gate very slowly after an MVP season last year. And he did change his swing. We talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago, I believe, but I think he needs to go back to his old swing that, that won him the MVP last year, the Dodgers pitching it's, it's been solid, but they did get hit by the injury bug a little bit at the start, but Kershaw's come back. We're still waiting for Alex Wood to come back. The starters could be doing a little bit better going later into games given 
the bullpen a, a little bit more rest, but the bullpen, which a lot of people were concerned about, has been dominant. Overall, the team has a 2.13 ERA, which is the lowest in the major league, so the pitching has been on point, which I'm very pleased with. So, I mean, it's just a matter of winning games and, and really not going on an extended losing streak like we talked about in this sprint, and that was one of my concerns is a team going in going into a lull for an expended, extended period of time and really putting themselves out of the race early on. So the Dodgers, they're 8-4. and four. They just got to keep winning baseball games. It's pretty pretty simple to me. Well, I think, you, I think you hit it right on the nose, especially with the Dodgers. My major my concern was that their bullpen wasn't going to be strong enough, but so far it's held up, and I think it's been good. And I think for their success heading into the postseason, I think that's what's really going to do it for them. I think another another addition or two, if they could, for the bullpen would, would really bolster it up and give them that depth going into the playoffs. Because, again, I think whatever team has the biggest depth in the bullpen, I think is going to end up winning. Well, and that's, that's interesting. You mentioned an addition to the bullpen. It's how do you go about additions to your team during COVID-19? Do you make a trade with another team to have a guy coming from another clubhouse into your clubhouse? It's that's a very weird dynamic, I think, that teams haven't had to experience before. Well, no, you you got to pull them up from your farm system and find somebody. I don't so know. So you just I, stay I, in house. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade anybody, um, but I would just find somebody, you know, in in your farm system and see maybe there's a hidden gem in there and you add them to your bullpen and just try to bolster it up as much as you can. Tyler, what do you what do you think about the idea of teams now having to strategize in terms of trades and free agency of bringing? somebody from the outside into their clubhouse dude it's a it's a fucking nightmare i mean <laughs> to deal with all this shit it's like this is why you pause sports for 2020 i mean it's like we've talked about it so, so much things. it's and, so funny and there's so many there's so many things it's like we're we're like battling this this force against us trying so hard to get our baseball in and it's like dude it's just not gonna work you know what I mean? It's not anything that we can control. It's out of our hands. I mean, it, w- it would take a lot of organization and a lot of luck, uh, to be honest with you, to, to make it work. Uh, basketball is different. It's they're, they're, They didn't take every single team. There's only five guys on the court at a time, and, and there's a 12, you know, a 15-man roster. It's like it's not, it's not you know, baseball and, and football where they're carrying 40 and 60 guys. Uh, it's just it's harder for them and and I think it's like I said it's a nightmare for these guys to try to navigate their way through all this battling they don't know what's allowed they don't know what's an option there's no precedent for anything it's it's you know I think we should be pausing sports until we figure out what to do moving forward you know until we have a really good plan I think the NBA was lucky enough that their plan has seemed to work so far Right, fingers uh, crossed it keeps young. working. It's still young. I mean, we still got how many playoff series to go? <laughs> you know, we're only halfway through the bubble games. Right. So uh, it's it's uh, dude, I can't, I couldn't imagine what how frustrating it must be right now, trying to put together a team. Yeah, and I during mean, a pandemic. You also you also even see guys on the base pass wearing masks, like when they're on first or second base, just chilling because they're standing next to a guy who's from the opposite team so it's it's been very interesting to watch these games and see how teams are navigating in in all sports really to see the to see the dynamics between a bubble atmosphere and a non-bubble atmosphere it's it's been very interesting as a sports fan to watch and i mean we've talked about it so much on this show because we had to fill a four-month layoff without sports and all three of us here on the Sports Kingdom show, we all thought that it wasn't a good idea to bring sports back this year. It was too risky. There were just too many uncertain variables that we didn't know how it could turn out. And it's been very, it's eye-opening to to see the two dynamics uh, of a bubble versus a non-bubble and how they're working and not working. Yeah, it's there. I think there's a lot of luck involved, but it's also, you know, you got to have a really good plan set forth, and everybody's got to follow the rules. And every the more the more people you got, the the more chances you got that someone's going to break the rules. You know, yeah. um, 
yeah, it's 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 just crazy, craziness. Yep. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on now. I got one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, some social media hypotheticals from that that running list, but a very special announcement first. We have a new sponsor. This segment of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by J Diamond Estates. For all your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 02068311. So, all right, the social media hypotheticals, I got three of them for you guys. This first one, it's from at the NBA Central. It's a list of players. Uh, I believe there's eight players, and I need you to pick the three highest ceilings from these players, okay? We got, got Col- it. We got Colin Sexton, Michael Porter Jr., Tyler Hero, Kobe White, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Jaron Jackson Jr., and DeAndre Ayton. So I need you guys to pick the three highest ceilings from that list of players. If you want, I can repeat the list. I, I, I got it. I think. I mean, I think I know. Okay, who who you I got, Tyler? Like, I, I feel like three stood out to me, so it's got to be those three. Okay. Uh, uh, for sure, uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, for sure, RJ Barrett. And then a got my boy Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> Man, he's got to do it. He's been Just killing it. If we're, if we're talking about ceilings, I mean. I mean, he's got he probably, he might have the he he might have the highest ceiling of this list. Dude, he's been showing I mean, everybody why he was the number one recruit in high school. Yeah, man, it's like RJ is the six eight shooting guard, unlimited potential there, and then Aiden is the, you know an athletic seven footer. Uh, he could go either way, man. He could be the best big in the league, or you know he could fade off into mediocrity, I guess, but. I think that you've got the potential to be like a dominating, dominating physical big guy. I'm surprised you didn't go with Shea Gilgis Alexander. See, I'm not on him like everybody else. He'd probably be, he'd probably be like four or five on this list to me. Okay. All right, Jacob. Bottom, you... bottom three has got to be, bottom three is Sexton, Tyler Hero, and Kobe White. I don't see, they don't, they don't have huge ceilings. I would I would replace Sexton with Reddish. Yeah, I think Reddish doesn't have a really high ceiling. Cam's just people haven't seen him play enough. I mean, playing third fiddle in college and then you know half half of rookie year. It's just he was. I mean, he was so good in high school. Um, I think he's got. You know, he's huge. He's six eight. So always got. All right, Jacob. uh, I feel like the potential is always there for the big athletic guys. Yeah, that's true. All right, Jacob, who you got for your three highest ceilings? So I do have Shea on mine, uh, R.J. Barrett, and then uh, Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it would probably be Michael Porter Jr., Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and DeAndre Ayton. All right. The next. Man, shy, huh? Yeah, man. He, especially with what he, he's learned from it, Chris Paul this year. But when we're talking about ceiling, it's like I feel like he's doing better than people expected right now. You know what I mean? Where it's like, which I think is like, making the, his ceiling go higher. Match? Where, like, what? It, like, what's the what? Is he? You know, is he Dwayne Wade? No. You know, it, these other guys. I think, you know, Michael Porter Jr. could be fucking Kevin Durant or Carmelo Anthony. You know, that's the kind of ceiling I see. That. That's why I just think Shy. It's like, I think Shy's a good young player, way better than I thought. But I don't see the. I don't see the whole like the craziness about i mean I, he's had a really good year with chris paul but i'm not i don't know i'm not sold on that yet well one of the best things that happened to him was he was traded to the thunder he would have stayed on the clippers oh yeah yeah there's no yeah, way you would have seen his play like this all right absolutely one of the best things that happened to him all right the next one i got comes from at hilltop nba i need you to rank these four players one through four all in their prime Tyler, oh. Tyler, you're going to like this one. All right. So, prime, prime time. We got Carmelo Anthony. 
PP, Paul Pierce, Tracy McGrady. I don't know why I called him PP, Paul Pierce. The truth. T Mac, Tracy McGrady, Paul George. One through four, all in their prime. Jacob, who you oh, got? Easy. Ooh. One through four. I'm going to have to go with T Mac at one, Mello at two, Pierce at three, and George at four. Tyler? No, I got to I got to I got to take I got to take uh take Paul George in Indianapolis over Paul Pierce in Boston. I got, even I though gotta, even though Paul Pierce got a ring? Yeah, uh but I mean I don't know, you know, I don't know if Paul George has had that. And you know what, fuck it. I don't even care. We'll forget the ring. It's <laughs> I think Paul George at his peak was a better individual player than Paul Pierce was. Like Paul George in the same scenario as Paul Pierce is going to go further and, and be better. So I think whatever Paul Pierce would have done with that team, Paul George has done better. He's a bigger, more athletic, you know, version of Paul Pierce. He's got more range than Paul Pierce. Um, better defender. Think, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, I know Paul Pierce can get buckets. Like, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, but yeah. Paul, but, but Paul George is like, he's a freak, man. 6'9", six, 6'10", six, six, like shooting guard type of game. Small board, you know, Kevin Durant type of game. Uh, just a certified killer. Yeah. Um, that that peak right before he got hurt uh, was way was was way oh, last year. He was trending you know, so high like, up. Yeah, and, it's, and then you know, I, but I definitely got uh, I got T back Mello, the one two. And then uh, Paul George and then Paul Pierce. Yep. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Mello, T Mac. Paul Pierce and then Paul George. See, you're just. I'm going. I'm giving man, him the ring. You were. You were. You, no, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Gee, uh, how old were you in like 2001? In 2001, I was seven. Yeah. See, you just didn't get to see T Mac at the right light. I think that T Mac was something different. No, I remember T Mac on the Magic and and all of that. Like. No, no, I know. I no, I know, but I just like I. The the era that I got to see him was like the era that you obsessed about shit, you know, like middle school, you know. Yeah. But he was just like, dude, T Mac to me is just one of the. It's there's not there's not there's maybe five guys ever that got a prime better than T Mac. But still, I mean, Denver Mello was just nasty. No, nah, Denver Mello was nasty. Way better than Paul Pierce, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's without a doubt. But all right, last one for you guys. This is going to be a fun one. It's, it's from at the Hoop Central, and it's a start bench cut. We got Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, the the Detroit Piston, had to clarify, and uh, Steph Curry. Start bench cut. Shit. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to stick it to my guns, though. I got to start Steph Curry, dude. I've never, wow. Wow. I've never seen it. I've never seen what anyone do this year he's done. And uh which is I'm sure is the same for people with Maddie Johnson, but gotta bench Magic, gotta cut Isaiah. But yeah, man, I gotta roll a step, dude. I've seen that fool take Davidson making runs of the tournament twice. I've seen him take a bunch of role players and win a couple rings. Like, man. A bunch of role players. Dude. He had Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant. I, well, okay, not K D, but I mean Clay and Draymond <laughs> Clay, you know, Draymond's a second-round pick. Clay, Clay went to Washington State. He was, you know, a mid, a mid first-round pick. He wasn't anything people were. I get were it. They all surpassed about. their you expectations. Yeah, dude, and, and and well, they weren't supposed to be there. They weren't yeah, supposed to win. For sure, they weren't supposed to be able to do what they did. They won more games than Jordan. You know what I mean? But it's like, it, it's like a step to me forever, man. I've never, I've never seen someone just. Again, he just like doesn't look like he should be able to do it. It's crazy, you know. Like you think it's like Russell Westbrook comes out there, like fuck, this guy's gonna dominate, you know. It's just, but you get you get worked by Steph. You're like, god damn it, this kid's just ripping me up. No, he he completely changed the game. Start him. <laughs> All right, Jacob, start bench cut. Who you got? All right, well I'm cutting uh, Thomas as well, and then I got a bench Steph starting Magic. Yeah, same for me. Start Magic, bench Steph. 
I, lo- I love Isaiah. Steph, but I don't know if I could uh, start him over Magic. Magic's Magic's the best point guard of all time, in my opinion. No matter as much as Steph has transcended and changed the game, as a pure point guard, no, there's nobody better than Magic Johnson. As a as pound for pound, he's taking the cake. Friggin basically, Magic Johnson was just a post player with good <laughs> passing skills, playing yeah. against the little guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, that's that's all I got. You guys got any other thoughts you guys wanted to, to shout out or put out there or any shout outs you got before we get out of here? No, I mean, shout out Catfish Point Coffee. Yeah. It, it was good, man. I, it's, it's, it was, it's cool, uh, cool working with those guys. Shout out to those guys over there at Campus Point. Oh, yeah. Their coffee's great. Yeah. I have it every morning. Yep. And then uh, shout out to uh, Jacob Diamond, J Diamond Estates, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 02. Oh six eight three one one. All your real estate needs, if you need, hit them up. 818-451-8539. All right. Don't forget this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Campus Point Coffee. If you're a coffee lover or you want to rock some cool merch while you're helping save the beaches, just enter promo code TSK Show at checkout. That's promo code TSK Show, capital T S K S lowercase h-o-w at checkout promo code tsk show for 15 percent off your purchase at campuspointcoffee.com with that that wraps up this episode of the sports kingdom show be sure to rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify the iHeartRadio app or wherever you decide to listen to the sports kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show don't forget to follow at tsk show on facebook twitter and instagram Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pachalki, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.